back to the Pete McMurray Show. Here's Pete and Lisa. You ever wonder what these food additives are doing to your body? You ever look at the yes. ingredients of a can of Coke? When was the last time you did that? I'm not so much looking at Coke. I'm looking at my cream cheese. Why does every cream cheese have guar bean gum in it? It makes me bonkers. Our next guest looks at these labels and she wants to talk to us about it. Her name is Dr. Dawn Harris Sherling. The name of her book is Eat Everything, How to Ditch Additives, Emulsifiers, Heal Your Body and Reclaim the Joy of Food. And Dr. Dawn joins us now. Please don't judge us. Dr. Dawn, how are you? (laughs) I'm great and I'm not here to judge. Oh, the intro to your book is so compelling and relatable because I went to Paris last summer for the very first time and I've never felt better after eating their food. Can you tell that quick story at the beginning of your book? I went to Italy and I was I was actually suffering from the symptoms of irritable irritable bowel syndrome before I left. I was so worried. I thought, oh my gosh, I am not going to be able to eat anything there, right? I'm not going to have pizza and gelato and all those things that in the US would totally destroy me. There's no way I can eat that in Italy. And I got to Italy and lucky for me, I have children who order those things and you know they look great. So I started stealing some of my children's food as, as we do, helping them with their food and nothing bad happened. And I thought, well, this is strange. So I'm going to start ordering my own gelato and my own pizza and my own pasta and still nothing bad happened. (laughs) And so this to me was very strange. I think similar to the experience you had when you were in France. I got back to the US and I felt miserable again within 24 hours. I I thought, what's going on here? I I need to find out what those ingredients in the cream cheese are, as you you mentioned. So I started looking into that. It makes me bonkers. I am a person who I just don't want to eat a lot of extra chemicals that I don't need. And as soon as you start reading labels, you're like, why does my ice cream and cream cheese have this? I guess it's a stabilizer, but I don't want it. And so the good news is, if you don't want it, there are products that are a little bit harder to find, but there are products out there that don't have those substances in them. Those substances, actually good instincts, They the data is coming out fast and furious that it changes our, our microbiome, those bacteria in our guts. Yep. Uh, we don't digest those substances, those gums that you're looking at, but the bacteria do. And strange things start happening to those organisms. Different organisms grow than what we want. They grow in the wrong places in the intestine and they lead to, to problems. Here's the great part of this story. You go an entire year. You can't figure out what's going on with your body. You go back to Italy and you feel great again. And you you had that aha moment. Oh, my God, what am I putting into my body? So it took you a year to figure it out, didn't it? It did. I try to tell the abbreviated version when I'm talking to folks. But in the book, I do I do tell the whole version. So the whole version is I went over there and I felt great. And I said, oh, it must be the extra walking I'm doing. It must be that (laughs) I have less stress. It must be that I'm eating more fruits and vegetables. And so when I came back to the US initially after that first trip, I tried to walk more. I tried to do deep breathing. I tried to eat more fruits and vegetables. And, And really nothing seemed to help until, you're right, I went back there the following year and it wasn't less stressful. I had a, a small health scare with my son. So very stressful. Yeah. Um, yeah. We wound up walking a lot less. And I thought, no, that's not it. It's it for me. It was not the stress. And I think for a lot of people out there who are struggling with with bowel ailments and other types of, of diet related diseases, 
it, you know, stress impacts everything. But to say it's the cause, mm, I think that's a bit of a stretch. <laughs> so it's uh, it's it really was the food. And I started realizing that um, and started looking at the ingredients and looking at what we're eating and realizing that those substances are now being associated with a lot of, of diet related diseases, actually. You were talking about the gut microbiome and for people who are familiar with it, it makes a lot of sense. But if you're unfamiliar, like you're saying, we have these microbes in our stomachs and in our intestines that digest the food. So if they get angry because of these additives, then they send out constipation, gas, irritable bowel syndrome, sluggishness. Is that the idea around all of this? Partly, yes, but they're not angry. They're super happy. So the deal is <laughs> we are we we have gardens growing in our intestines. And I talk about this and eat everything. We are we are our bodies are not temples, they are gardens. And what we decide to grow in our garden, what we are growing in our garden is dependent on what we feed it, how we nurture it. And are we nurturing it with these whole foods and therefore the good gut bacteria that do produce the the signaling chemicals that make us feel good, that promote good health, that support our immune system? Or are we feeding them the things that are these additives that make the bacteria that may not be so good for us really happy and they grow way more than they ever should? So it's really like we have a garden and how we fertilize it is incredibly important. Dr. Don Harris-Sherling uh, is on with us. The name of the book is called Eat Everything. We say on this show nonstop, listen to your body. If you're eating something and it feels like a cinder block is sitting in your gut, then you should avoid that food. But we don't. Why do we do that? Is it out of convenience? Why are we continually putting this bad stuff in our bodies? I th Honestly, I think we're, you. at least for me, at least... I was, I just felt used to it. I'm like, oh, this is yeah. how we're, we feel after we eat. This is just how we feel after we eat. And, and we've forgotten that, no, that's not right. And I love that you said we need to listen to our bodies because we don't do that enough. Mm -mm. And I think as physicians, we don't listen to our patients enough. And we, we need to change that. We need to realize, no, your stomach isn't supposed to feel bad right. um, after you eat. That's not normal. Yeah, it's not. One of the greatest <laughs> things that I've ever done was about 10 years ago, I had blood work done and it was $300 and they ran all my blood work. Okay. And I found out that red sauce is so bad for me. When I ate pasta, I had that feeling where I ate uh, white flour and red sauce, two horrible things for me that inflames my body. I shouldn't be eating that, but I ate it my entire life. And I felt like crap and I continued to eat it. But when I had that aha moment, just like you did when you were in Italy, I had my blood work done and you see it on a piece of paper. It's like, oh my gosh, I got to avoid red sauce and red wine. Eh, I mean, it's on the cusp. Maybe you should start cutting that out of your diet too. So what's interesting about those blood tests is when they look at them, they're about 50% accurate. And we like, you know, we like getting blood tests. Patients like it. Physicians like it. We like looking at those hard numbers. We like um, data. We really love data in this day and age, don't we? We love data. But the issue with those blood tests is they're not super accurate. And 
um, they can change. So there was a reporter who did a, a, a report on this a few years ago, and I, I can't I, I can't remember who that was. I think I do cite this in my book though, where she did one test with one company, and then on another day did another blood test with another company, and the results were completely different. So wow. one one not just to say okay, well throw out the test. Don't throw out the test. It has some some utility. I'm not saying to throw out the test, but what I'm saying is. If you think you're suffering from food intolerances or food allergies, see an allergist to help interpret the test and maybe do some different types of testing. There's skin testing that they do. There's patch testing that the dermatologist can do. That's exactly what I did. That's exactly what I did. Yes. Great. Great. Because that's what you want to do. You want to confirm that what you're seeing is accurate. And then, you know, in a few years, you may want to retest. So my daughter she actually suffered from an egg allergy when she was a baby and she outgrew it. So now she eats everything with eggs. So it's not um, necessarily a permanent condition if it's diagnosed on those blood tests. Now, I am not saying that about nut allergies because those can be really severe. I am not saying that about the type of allergies where people develop hives or trouble breathing. Please don't eat those foods. Don't try it. Don't do that. (laughs) But if you just have these blood tests done, I think you want to make sure you want to confirm it. And you also want to retest down the line and see if it's still a problem. I am going to retest this summer. It's funny that you say that because my doctor said, hey, why don't we come in and do the retest and see if everything still sticks? I have to tell you, Red sauce does sit in my gut like a cinder block. And since I've been avoiding it, well, when I go out and I have pasta, I, I like the um, the homemade pasta, not the starchy stuff. And I get the red sauce on the side because they always just drown it. And I make them feel good that it's on the side, but I'm not eating it. <laughs> Do what works for you. If you found something that works for you, then definitely keep doing that. And by the way, I, I too ask for dressing on the side when I don't want Thank it. you. Thank I do the same thing. What are the differences in the food standards in Europe versus America that have these ingredients that are angering and inflaming our bodies here in the United States? So the European Food Safety Organization, they are a little bit more stringent than we are here in the U.S. But if we're being totally honest... It's more of a cultural phenomenon where they do tend to eat more whole foods than we do. So part of it is the regulation, but part of it is also the the culture of just eating more whole foods as opposed to ultra processed food. But here's the, the worrisome thing is that around the world, it is changing. And in the last decade or two decades, everywhere we have seen this huge increase in the amount of ultra processed foods and the amount of these additives that are being consumed absolutely everywhere. I got to interview a brilliant researcher down at the University of Sao Paulo for my book, Carlos Montero. And he was talking about how in the Brazilian diet, they're over 20% ultra processed foods now. And he's trying to fight the good fight on the public health front. We're at 60, mind you, we're at 60%. But other places are, yeah, other places are increasing uh, as well. Oh, wow. wow. I mean, both of us, uh, Lisa and I looked at each other and we're like, what? Really? Yeah. You know, we all get in our habits and what you grow up with. And I grew up in a house where my mom was able to cook and we had food. 
But you hear stories of other people who do say, like, we just ate frozen meals yeah. all the time. And right. It's a hard. It's hard for me to personally imagine having sixty percent of my food be ultra processed, but that's the reality. But what if I were to tell you, <laughs> it's not. So we think about, oh, it's the fast food or the frozen food or whatever it is. What if I were to tell you, it's probably your bread. It's probably in your yogurt. It's right. probably in, yep. if you're avoiding dairy, your nut milk or your oat milk. It is everywhere and the, it's insidious. And the issue that I want to bring to light is that when we're trying to do the right thing, we're not eating the frozen food, we're not eating the fast food, and we're still eating a humongous percentage of our diet as ultra processed because the front of the package has beautiful words like organic and natural and whole grain. Oh my God, that is so true. Dr. Dawn Harris-Sherling is with us. Her book, Eat Everything, How to Ditch Additives and Emulsifiers, Heal Your Body and Reclaim the Joy of Food. Let's talk what we can eat with Dr. Dawn next. More of the Pete McMurray Show next. Now, back to the Pete McMurray Show. Dr. Dawn Harris-Sherling is with us. Her book, Eat Everything, How to Ditch Additives and Emulsifiers, Heal Your Body and Reclaim the Joy of Food. Dr. Dawn, you have a chapter in your book devoted to dairy. A lot of adults say, oh, I haven't had dairy in 15 years. Why are people avoiding dairy and should we? So there are people who are lactose intolerant. And I do write about someone in my book who had at least a partial lactose intolerance. And I want to say it's a very, very common thing. So for people who are lactose intolerant, completely lactose intolerant, yes, avoid dairy. But for a lot of other people, it's not the dairy necessarily, but the additives that we're putting in dairy. So in the beginning of the show, uh, you guys brought up uh, cream cheese and ice uh. cream. And why are there all these things in our cream cheese and ice cream, right? Those dairy products. <laughs> and it really is to keep it mixed keep it shelf stable to keep those ice crystals from forming on the ice cream to make our food look pretty. Mm -hmm. And in an effort to make our food look pretty and also to make it cheaper to produce, we have put in all of these substances, all of these additives that are actually contribute contributing to diabetes, metabolic syndrome, irritable bowel, fatty liver, obesity, all of these conditions are directly impacted by these ultra processed foods. And they're making us feel miserable. The thing is, you can cut them out. You can get ice cream without those things, right? Hagen dazs Jenny's, I don't know if I can yes. say brands on here, but but they generally don't have those things. There are brands of cream cheese you can find, although it's a little harder, that don't have those things. I even tried Tell to make look. my own cream cheese. Yes, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Look in the house. But you do have to really work for it. And um it's frustrating. I feel like when I read packages these days, I try to look at it and say, would my great grandparents have eaten this? No. If the ingredient wasn't around in 1920, no. I try not to buy it. I think that's absolutely brilliant. That is the right way to approach it. Because when you look at the rates of increase of these diet related diseases, we didn't even have the name for non-alcoholic fatty liver disease until the 1980s. We didn't think about a lot of these conditions. Diabetes back in your great grandparents' day was a few percent. Now 25% of the adult US right. population is struggling with their blood sugar. It's it's you know, it's hard to prove causation, but there's a tremendous 
correlation with the amount of additives that we're putting into our food and the rates of the diseases increasing. And don't you think, you know, evolution, our bodies have eaten the same way for hundreds of thousands of years. And only within the last hundred have we started these, uh, you know, potions. It's almost like a little magic potion we're putting. Our bodies have not evolved to eat this way. No, that's that's incredibly true. So the thing of it is, is that this was referred to as the microbiome has been referred to as discovering a new organ. We didn't know about the microbiome when I was in medical school 20 plus years ago. We knew there were bacteria in there and these substances that were approved as additives, the whole thing was, well, our body doesn't absorb it. So the thinking was, they just pass right through us, right? It just slides right through. We don't absorb it, so it doesn't do anything. And now we know there is an entire organ-like um situation going on called our microbiome that is using these substances that is changing based on these additives and we need a whole mind frame shift now that we've uncovered this new way of thinking about what we're eating the stat in your book americans have one of the highest rates of obesity and diabetes on the planet there's a reason for that. We're number one. No, no, we, we don't want to be number one in this one. <laughs> Can we talk about hidden sugars? Those hidden sugars like fructose, agave uh, syrup. I mean, how bad is this for us? Okay, so I just want to go away from demonizing sugar. We know we're not supposed to eat too much sugar. Right. But in an effort to cut out sugars, we've substituted these fake sugars right? The sucralose and the erythritol that you may have heard about the news recently and all of these substances. When something doesn't have calories, (laughs) nature abhors a vacuum. If we're not using it for calories, something else is. So we need to start looking at these substances that were approved. And there's a researcher in France who's doing this, testing them against the gut bacteria and saying, what are these substances doing? So sugar, yes, We shouldn't have too much of it, but I'm a fan of if you're not someone who's struggling with diabetes to go ahead and use sugar, use sugar and stop using the fake stuff, but in moderation, a spoon of sugar in your coffee, not seven. (laughs) Right. How about salt? Salt is complicated. So salt (laughs) can definitely impact our cardiovascular health. Too much salt. We know that. And when we're eating ultra processed foods, the reason it's able to stay on the shelf a long time is sometimes because a lot of salt has been added to it. If you are mostly cooking at home with whole foods and you're a reasonable home cook, you're going to use some salt, but not to the levels that are in these ultra processed foods. And what I see happening is that people are afraid to cook with salt and sugar. They reach for ultra processed foods, which actually have worse things in them. Instead of just putting a little bit in like your grandmother did, or maybe your great grandmother did, that's okay. And that's why the food tasted the way it did. It had seasoning. It had a balance of Mm -hmm. sweet and savory. And right, that one tablespoon of sugar in your grandma's pasta sauce is not the culprit that's making you not feel good. It's probably something else. All, All whole foods in moderation. 
This is a fantastic book, Eat Everything, Dr. Dawn Harris-Sherling. Thanks for taking the time. We could talk about this for three days. Lisa and I are very passionate about it. We all just need to listen to our bodies, first of all, and stop putting junk into our bodies. Thank you so much. More of The Pete McMurray Show next. 